0: Okay, friends, I'd like to do a a very quick exercise with you. I'd like you all to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Keep your eyes closed. Now, on the count of three, we are going to proclaim the church vision together. One, two, three. Nurturing. Are you sure you didn't open your eyes, ah? Uh, I'm sure many of us take it for granted that it's right here, right? Okay, but very good, very good. If you really didn't, open your eyes and you know, uh, uh, bagus, bagus. Okay, so we we want to keep this in mind and in our hearts because uh, what we do as a church, we are hoping to nurture disciples to be a spirit-filled and impactful church. Now, for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, I understand there are a few visitors here today, Uh, We are currently into our third week uh, in our sermon series on the book of Matthew. In the first half of this year, we were going through the second book of Samuel because last year we went through the first book of Samuel, okay, so that's a continuation. And in the second book of Samuel earlier this year, we saw how God had promised David that one of his descendants would be Israel's chosen king, right, that 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 there was a promise of a royal descendant of David who would become the Messiah, the saviour of Israel. And so Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, has a very uh, special emphasis on trying to convince his readers about this, you know, that the, the Messiah, is the, 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 the son of David, is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Okay, so... Uh, in the previous two sermons on Matthew uh, that Dr. Ku and, and Chong Jin shared with us, uh, we looked at the birth of Jesus. We also looked at, uh, you know, how, how He is the fulfillment of that promise made to King David so many centuries ago. Today, we are looking at the next phase of Jesus' life, the preparation for His public ministry. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you will speak to us, that you open up your word of truth for us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord. Amen. Now, how many of you know who this guy is? Raise your hand. If you know who he is. Oh, one person. (laughs) Really? Okay, you guys don't watch boxing, huh? Okay, so... This this guy's name is Michael Buffer, okay? And if you've ever watched a professional boxing match before, or maybe you see, you know, passing by on TV or whatever, before the fighters come out, there'll be this guy introducing them, right? And he'll be like, oh, in the blue corner, uh, wearing red pants and uh, weighing 5,000 pounds, okay? Uh, this this uh, Emmanuel... Me- Venezuela, whatever lah, okay? And then, before they fight, he will go, his signature catch face. Let's get ready to rumble! Heard that one before? Ah, okay, okay. So he's pretty famous for what he does. At least, outside of Penang Trinity. <laughs> he's pretty famous uh, for what he does. Uh, but people don't buy tickets, they don't spend hundreds of dollars to go there and watch him announce the fighters. Maybe some look forward to it, but that's not the reason why they buy the tickets and go there and watch. Right? His role, this Michael Buffer guy, his role is just to announce the fighters. The fighters are the main event that the people go there to see. And so today we are looking at one of the announcers of the main event of the Bible. The main event, of course, is Jesus. Right? The whole Bible is about Jesus. Uh, But this announcer is John the Baptist. Okay, so who is John the Baptist? Despite his very popular title, Baptist, uh, he is called John the Baptist in the Bible. uh, John was actually more than somebody who performed baptisms. Now, do you remember the, I think about three weeks ago, uh, the 40 seconds of silence that Dr. Koo let us experience? Yeah, I, I remember very well. <laughs> I wanted to go and check up, eh, is everything okay? Uh, then I realized, oh, he's making a point. Uh, I got ganag's troll. Huh? Uh, anyway, the, 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 point of, uh, the point of that was that to, to, to demonstrate how agonizing the 400 years of silence the people of Israel experienced was. And this was 400 years without God speaking through any of the prophets. So during those days, uh, how God primarily communicated with His people was through these people, prophets, okay? So 400 years without them. Now, then 400 years later, of this silence from Malachi all the way until, you know, the, the, the time of the Gospels, along comes John the Baptist. And he has all the makings of a prophet. Uh, he's a baby that's born to a woman who could not conceive. So if you remember, like, uh, how Hannah gave birth To the prophet Samuel after struggling with infertility. We saw that last year. Uh, John dresses in a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. This is very much like the prophet Elijah. And the angel Gabriel basically says in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, he says, uh, He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, make ready a people prepared. For the Lord so John himself uh, John John is compared to Elijah a prophet he himself is prophesied about by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40 verse 3 which we read uh, in our scripture sentence All right a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God so As we continue our our series on the book of Matthew, uh, just a side note, keep an eye out for how many Old Testament scriptures are quoted to convince the Jews of how Jesus is this fulfillment of all these prophecies of the Messiah. And so John's role is to be the first prophet called by God in 400 years, a voice in the wilderness, this wilderness is symbolic of this lonely silence this lack of god's voice and this voice is calling for repentance preparing the way for the lord who would bring the kingdom of heaven near And so john's example is essentially a big idea for today that we prepare for jesus by leading people to repentance and baptism okay so if this if it's the one thing that you remember and you forget everything else just remember this one this is the thing to take picture okay we prepare for jesus by leading people to repentance and baptism i'd like us to look at uh, three parts of john's message today and that is firstly repent second be baptized third why because jesus is coming Now, the main thrust of John's message was repent, right? Why? Because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, this idea of repentance is linked to baptism, which we will look at later. And the kingdom of heaven coming near is basically talking about, we've looked at the kingdom of heaven before, about how the rule of God, okay, the, the rule of God's reign is near to mankind because of jesus jesus would complete his mission to allow god to rule in the lives of those who believe in him okay so because jesus was coming and he was going to make it possible for god to rule in the hearts of people kingdom of god has come near jesus himself is the king (laughs) he came into the world to be with men kingdom of god also near okay so uh, the, the idea of repentance is because of the kingdom of God, Kamenia. Now, the Greek word for repentance is uh, metaneia, which means literally to think differently. Now, usually when we think of repentance, we think of, okay, you turn, right? Uh, change direction, do something else. But the literal meaning really is to think differently, to change your mind about something, In 1997, Apple launched an advertising campaign where the slogan was, Think Different. And this campaign launched in the same year that Steve Jobs returned to Apple after 12 years. Now, if you don't know the story of Steve Jobs, started Apple, uh, you know, successful, blah, 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 and then uh, eventually there was some disagreements. Either he was forced out or he left in a huff, one of those things. And then 12 years later, uh, Apple ended up buying the company that he had started, and he was back. <laughs> okay, so he became the CEO again. And so after he came back to Apple, this advertising campaign launched Think Different. And before that, Apple was sort of struggling, right, because they were trying to compete with IBM uh, PCs, with you know, basically making similar things to what they were doing. But after this slogan launched... Uh, what followed was the production of the iMac. You guys know the iMac? Those of you who went to design school at some point in the 1990s, maybe this colourful blue, green, whatever, all-in-one computer. Uh, it, after that was the launching of the iPod, right? The, uh, for those of you now, you play music on your phone, uh, last time you have to scroll, scroll, scroll to play music, dedicated device. Uh, Launching on the iPhone, of course, that revolutionized the idea of what a smartphone was and the iPad, right? And so all these uh, were revolutionary, different ways of looking at computers and music players and phones and tablets. And so for Apple, their products showed that they really did think different, okay? They they, they thought differently and that's what led to innovation that was radically different from the rest of what, what the rest of the world was doing. Now, if they had launched this advertising campaign, Think Different, and then their products were all exactly the same as what all the other tech companies were doing, then Think Different is just an advertising campaign. It's just an st- empty slogan. And so in the same way when john the baptist tells the pharisees and sadducees in verse 8 he says produce fruit in keeping with repentance he was telling them don't just talk; (laughs) don't just do something that's supposed to display their repentance but to actually live the kind of life that true repentance produces now for the pharisees and sadducees uh, the the teachers of the law essentially they were prone to keep an outward form of righteousness that didn't match who they truly were. Okay? And they relied very much on their status as Jews who followed all the ceremonial laws uh, and thought that they were righteous in God's eyes because of that. And So this will be a recurring theme throughout the book of Matthew. And this is the first instance that we see it here. Uh, John also tells the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees not to delude themselves into thinking that they are righteous just because they are Jews, the chosen people of God. He says, uh, Do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. That means descendant of Abraham, Jew. Uh, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Uh, Very weird, right? He talks about stones raising up children, but the reason is because the Aramaic words for stone and children sound the same. Okay, so he's doing some sort of wordplay uh, to basically say that even Gentiles can become, even non-Jews can become God's chosen people. And so because they cannot rely on their race to make them righteous, they need to be truly repentant. They need to truly think different. And so John... The Baptist has two lessons about repentance for us today, uh, in, in 2023. And that is firstly that repentance should produce fruit. Now, as Christians, we are no stranger to this concept of repentance. After all, it is the foundation of how we accepted Christ. Right? We confessed our sins, we repented of them, we stopped. Uh, we turned away from all the sins that we knew of and we followed Jesus, right? And so we can, uh, repentance should produce fruit that is expected. We can confess our sins, Uh, we can pray a prayer of repentance, it can be a heartfelt, a tearful prayer of repentance, we can make vows, we can make resolutions, we can sign pieces of paper, But if we continue to sin in the same way after that, then it is an indicator to us that our repentance might have just been an advertising campaign that we sold ourselves on, right? Uh, That now we think different, but actually the, the product does not match the slogan. And so we might be sincere in our desire to repent at that moment, but repentance is not just Think different at that point of time and then go back to how you used to think. Repentance is think different and continue to think different from how you used to think. So for example, if you say, let's say you 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 struggle with unforgiveness as a sin, okay? And if you say you repent, you repent of unforgiveness, but then you still avoid that person who hurt you, or you Continue telling other people about how they hurt you, and then you say, Ah, no, but I forgive already, forgive already. And then you continue telling people, Ah, you know, our last time, ah, ah, yeah, but forgive already, forgive already. And continue avoiding that person. That is not producing fruit in keeping with repentance. Forgive already, forgive already is just a slogan, right? So repentance should produce fruit. Secondly, spiritual identity is not inherited. Uh, The Jews uh, fell into this trap, especially the the Pharisees and and the Sadducees. They felt that they had a special sort of uh, spiritual pedigree because they were descended from Abraham. And so we, modern Christians, uh, we are not born into a right relationship with God just because of something our parents have done or just because of our race, or citizenship, or even how our parents raised us. Uh, one of the, the great tragedies of church history uh, is after, uh, what's, what's, his, what's his name? Constantine, Constantine, yes. The Emperor Constantine, the Roman Emperor Constantine, he basically legalized Christianity, right? He Christianized uh, the, the Roman world at that point. And then it brought about the advent, it brought about uh, this era known as Christendom, where you are a Christian based on your citizenship. So imagine you're born in Malaysia, you are automatically a certain religion, regardless of what you believe. Okay, so that, I, I say it was a great tragedy because it led to a lot of nominalism, a lot of people assumed they were Christians, just because they were born in that country and they had no relationship with God through Christ. So in the same way, we are not born into a right relationship with God just because our parents were Christian, just because our great-grandparents were Christian, just because we come from a long line of pastors or whatever. Okay, we, we are responsible for our own spiritual walk with God. In fact, we are not just not born into a right relationship with God. We are all born into a wrong relationship with God because of the sinful nature that we did inherit from the first man and woman. And because all of us have sinned and are born into a wrong relationship with God, therefore the message to repent, to think different from the sinful ways is given to everybody. It's relevant to everyone. And so friends, if there are areas in your life that need repentance, today is the day to address them. Don't just resolve to repent. Don't just talk about repentance. Start taking steps to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. If you're struggling with unforgiveness with a certain person, start taking steps to offer the hand of reconciliation or to make that apology or to just not run away when you see them, okay? And as disciples, we also have a role to play in leading others to repentance, like John the Baptist. We don't need to take the same approach as John the Baptist and call people a brood of vipers. I don't think that will go down very well today. Uh, but we can start by sharing our thoughts on why we believe what they are doing is hurting themselves or hurting others, hurting the ones they love. And it doesn't have to be in a very judgy, condemning way, right? It can come from a place of love and concern. And if you're not sure what that looks like, uh, leading others to repentance, then ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and the words, okay, the right words. Now let's look at the next part of John's message. So the first part is repentance. The second part is be baptized now as far as we know john didn't go around directly telling people to be baptized okay at least it's not recorded for us in the bible he only told them to repent but he went around baptizing and that's because the baptism that john did was a sign of repentance okay and so people responded to his message of repentance by being baptized by him. Uh, just like, like for example, if you get married, you don't go around telling people, uh, "Okay, go and wear a ring," right? You may not say that, but it comes with the whole thing about being married because it is a sign of your marriage. Okay, so uh, baptism was a sign of repentance. The people who accepted that message and they repented, they were baptized. But the baptism that Uh, John did during John's time baptism was actually not something new Gentiles who wanted to become Jews called proselytes basically uh, converted wanting to follow the the God of the Israelites they had to become Jews eh? so they would convert they would go through a ritual washing to symbolize taking on a new identity uh, of being a Jew now worship the Lord. And so that was an ancient form of baptism that was already happening. But asking Jews to be baptized was something new because, you know, the Jews assumed that their Jewishness was enough to make them right with God, which is what we just saw. And so baptism was a sign of a new identity Now, the Greek word for baptism means to dip or to immerse. Uh, Malay is celok, I think. Uh, So, uh, uh, according to one Bible commentary during those days, one of the trade was dyeing clothes, okay? Not that you're trying to make the clothes dye, but you're you're trying to change the colour of the clothes. And in order to do that, you celok the clothes in some sort of liquid that will change the colour, Okay, and so you don't necessarily. Today, uh, you go to Shopee, you go to, you, know, you go to any random shop, uh, you see, uh blue, blue dress, buy, it's blue lah, okay, then maybe you wash in the washing machine, everything else also become blue, but you you already get it the color that you want. Uh, but during those days, you want a blue dress, you get a white one made of cotton or whatever, and then you dye it blue, right? And so when a a person takes a white cloth and jellops it in a blue dye, it comes out a blue cloth, it is a brand new identity. It symbolizes this brand new identity. So baptism probably carried this sort of significance for the people of that time because this this sort of trade went on. And just as how repentance was about thinking differently from the old self, The fruit of repenting from the old self would be a new identity, taking on a new identity who thinks differently. However, John's baptism was limited to being a sign of repentance and and a sign of a new identity. John points to a different kind of baptism by Jesus. And so he says in verse 11, "...I baptise you with water for repentance." But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so John was the announcer for the main event, Jesus the Messiah. And this Messiah will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now what does this mean? Firstly, baptism with the Holy Spirit, remember baptism is being dipped, immersed, right? So baptism with the Holy Spirit is being immersed in the Holy Spirit, being immersed in Him. Uh, just like how being immersed in water makes you wet, water is present with you as long as you are wet. So being immersed in the Holy Spirit means that the Holy Spirit is present with you everywhere you go. But he doesn't dry up like water okay so he remains with you he is present with us all the time once we are baptized with him Uh, during the time of uh the before the time of the gospels so old testament the holy spirit was known to to the people of israel his activity was known he appears in scripture but he comes and goes, okay, and he has different roles, he equips, he empowers, uh, he even transports people here and there, like uh, supernatural Asia. Uh, he, he would come and go and do these things, but he did not remain with them. But after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers, he remained present with all the believers at all times. And so the Holy Spirit is what gives us hope for true repentance because He does the work of transforming us to think and live differently, to think and live more like Jesus. The big church word for this is sanctification, okay? But the Holy Spirit basically makes us think and live uh, more differently like Jesus. But what does it mean, so so that's what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that Jesus would baptized with fire? Now, most people associate this with, you know, Pentecost, Holy Spirit came upon the believers, tongues of fire, uh, and so fire purifies, and so it's like part of that. But within the context of the passage, if if you actually look at the verses before and after, Baptism in fire probably refers to an immersion into the fire of judgment for all who remain in their sins without the forgiveness that comes through believing in Christ. So if you look at the, this is the verses before and after verse 11 that we just saw. Uh, It it talks about uh, how, so verse 11 is the one where Jesus says he'll baptize with fire. If you look at verses 10 and 12 both verses talk about the fire of judgment that whatever tree does not produce good fruit cut down thrown into fire okay and then verse 12 uh, at the threshing floor he he gathers his wheat in the barn and then burns up the chaff with unquenchable fire okay so the context of this fire is about judgment and so Jesus as the judge of all who ever lived is the one who sorts between A, the tree that produces good fruit and the wheat. He will sort between that and B, the fruitless tree and the chaff. Okay, basically the stuff that uh, isn't wanted and disposed of uh, in order to be burned. And so Jesus will either give mankind a baptism that results in eternal life, which is baptism with the Holy Spirit, or a baptism that results in eternal death, which is baptism with the fire of judgment. Over the next few months, we'll be looking at how Jesus teaches about and prepares to make these two choices very clear and available to all of mankind. But for now, let's look ahead at one more baptism, which is Jesus' own baptism. Now, and so the, the count is here, right? That Jesus went to be baptized, he asked John to be baptized, John was shy, shy, and then Jesus insisted, and John baptized him. And then heaven opened, Spirit of God descended like a dove, voice from heaven, This is my son who I love, with him I'm well pleased. Okay? So, Why did Jesus need to be baptised? We had previously seen that John's baptism was a sign of repentance. But Jesus was born without sin. He has nothing to repent of. But two things happened as a result of Jesus' baptism. Firstly, it identified him with the people who had also been baptised. Okay, So remember, the people who who were baptised... taking on a new identity they they were repenting of their sins because the kingdom of god was near Uh, they wanted to belong to the lord okay so jesus was taking on uh, identifying with these people who had this identity of repenting and wanting to belong to the lord okay so he is identifying with them jesus came to earth as a man to identify with mankind So now, the people who wanted to belong to the Lord, he also wanted to identify with them. And when Jesus was baptized, the Father also identified him as the son of David and the prophesied Messiah. Now, I won't go into the Old Testament passages, but basically they prophesy about how the promised king from David's line would be the Messiah, and there are parallels with uh, how that prophecy and what God says uh, and how the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, uh, these all intertwine, okay? And they point to each other, okay? And so basically, when, when this happens to Jesus, these words are said, this dove comes down on Jesus, people who knew their Old Testament scripture would have recognized the prophecy. This is the son of David. This is the Messiah, okay? Now, the second thing that happened at his baptism was he was being commissioned for his public ministry so from here on out jesus is not just some unknown carpenter's son he begins to preach he begins to teach about himself and the kingdom of god okay so this is the the like the, the initiation into the next phase of his life okay and so as followers of jesus we too follow his example of being baptized in the book of Acts that we went through last year, we see how after the church is born, the 3,000 that were added to the church in Acts chapter 2 were also baptized as Peter taught them, you know, repent and be baptized. I'm glad to inform that uh, at the end of this month, we'll be having uh, a few baptisms, okay, and it's, it's been delayed a few, a few months already, uh, and and so we'll be celebrating uh, a few baptisms uh, towards the end of august and so if any of you are yet to be baptized we'll be starting another batch of classes shortly after that okay so if you're interested please come get in touch with me uh, or our church office or your small group leader or any of our leaders okay let us know Uh, all who believe in jesus are called to be baptized And just like how we can lead others to repentance, we can also lead them to a point where they're willing to be baptized. Of course, this is part of the great commission given by Jesus to all who follow him in Matthew 28, verse 19. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we can lead. We ourselves should be baptized. We too can lead others to be baptized. Now let's look at our last point. That Jesus is coming. Uh, how many of you order grab food? Or food panda? Or some form of delivered eat, shoppy food? Uh, okay. Uh, kindred spirits. Okay. What do you do when you are expecting your food to arrive after you order? Do you go and take a shower? Do you go and take a long nap? Do you go out and climb Penang Hill? No, right, you wait expectantly, maybe you listen for the doorbell, you don't go and turn on, uh, put on headphones, loud loud music, then you can't even hear the doorbell, Uh, or if you're like me and my wife, the moment the Grab app has that push notification and it says, hampir sampai, oh, go out already, right, open the gate, go out, wait for that person, so that, you know, you don't have to waste time, and then you can do do more jobs, and so when you are waiting expectantly for something, you prepare for it, right uh when when you are When you know that you are with child, <laughs> you know that you are expecting to have a baby. You don't wait for the baby to be born, and ayah! <laughs> no clothes la, no lah, no formula la. Don't know how to take care. La. No diaper. La. Ayah, let them let them pee on the floor first, then mop up. La. No, right? You prepare. Ah. So, when John prepared the way for Jesus, it was because he was expecting him to come. To baptise with the Holy Spirit and with fire. To bring God's presence to mankind. To judge all who ever lived. Uh, John himself did not forgive people of their sins and he was not the only way to the Father. But John's work was still important. His task as prophet was to proclaim the truth so that people would repent, so that people would be aware that the kingdom of heaven was near, so that people would expect this Messiah to basically appear and watch out for him so that they can follow him when they finally meet him. In the same way, we too are waiting expectantly for Jesus to come again, not for the first time, but for the second time, when the world as we know it ends, final judgment will happen. So we are waiting for Jesus' second coming. Either that or we are waiting for the time when we meet Jesus after our time on this earth is up, whichever comes first. If we believe in Jesus, we will meet in Jesus lah. Okay, either before he comes again, by dying, or when he comes again. And so as we wait, we need to prepare. We need to be prepared ourselves. We need to make sure we're not putting off any genuine repentance and being baptised. We need to take that step of faith to follow Jesus. If we have not done so already, if we are still not sure and we are still, yeah, yeah, maybe it's true, but uh, I don't know, seems like I've uh, got a lot of requirements, uh, seems like have to give up a lot of things. Uh, uh, don't know, don't know, don't know. We need to be prepared and not put it off. And if we already follow Jesus, then we need to keep preparing by growing in our faith and in our love for God and others. And of course, like John the Baptist, we need to lead others to prepare for Jesus. Now, speculating exactly, uh, speculating about exactly when Jesus will return is useless. <laughs> but one thing is clear: He will come again when we least expect it. Okay? And so, friends, don't put off the task of preparing the way for others to come to know Jesus. Just yesterday, we had our leaders' uh, fellowship dinner some of us were sharing at at my table about how fragile and uncertain life is. That you just never know if that's the last time you're going to see somebody. And if you don't seize that moment with courage and pray with that person to accept Jesus or to ask them if they want to accept Jesus or even to share about Jesus, we never know if that's the last time we see them. And so let's prepare others as well as we can with the time that God has given us while we still have it. In conclusion, today we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We remember how Jesus died and forgave our sins. And as always, after the invitation, there is space for confession and repentance. And as we eat and drink together, we also celebrate our place at His table through our baptism. And we, in doing so, we also proclaim His death until He comes again. And so I'd like you to know that we prepare for Jesus by leading people to repentance and baptism. We join God in this important work of leading others to Him. I'd like you to be prepared for Jesus We wait expectantly to meet with Him, and we prepare accordingly. And do produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Live a life that proves that you think different. Now, before we move on to Holy Communion, just a few questions for us to reflect and discuss in our small groups or our families Firstly, what sort of fruit have you produced in the things that you've already repented of? Second, why is your baptism important to you? Third, what is one thing you are currently doing or would like to start doing in order to prepare others for Jesus? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you that you made a way. You made a way for us to be saved from the judgment that our own sins deserve. You made a way to bring us back to you after we were separated from you by our own sins. You made a way for us to live a fulfilling life that you designed for us. And so we thank you. We thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for us. We thank you for the people who have proclaimed this message to us. We thank you for those who led us into your kingdom. And so Lord, we pray that you would use us as well. That firstly, if any of us have not yet taken that step to follow Jesus and make him the Lord of our lives, Lord, we bring ourselves before you now that if we have not truly proclaimed Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, if we have not truly said that we are followers of Jesus and live a life in accordance with that, Lord, we want to do that now. We confess of our sins, we turn away from them, we want to follow Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We want you to transform us, to give us genuine repentance by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, for those of us who have known you and perhaps we have grown cold, perhaps we have grown distant, we've taken you for granted, we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, would you help us to be genuinely repentant, to live a life that is in keeping with a repentant life. We pray that you also make the most of the time that you have given us on this earth to prepare ourselves to know you more, to love you more, and also to prepare others to bring your saving gospel message to them. Not just in the words that we speak, but also in the lives that we live. And so, Lord, where we are weak, we ask, Holy Spirit, help us. Where we need to be challenged, we ask, Holy Spirit, move us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.